Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 37, week 37, volume 37, number 37. How you going, guys? Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to this week's show. We've got a lot in store, as we do every week. We've got Mosh news, we've got Mosh reviews, and our Mosh interview is with Drew of Stray from the Path. All of that is coming up in the show. Let's kick things off as we always do, and that's with the Mosh News. All That Remains have announced their new album will be called Victim of the New Disease. They've also announced the release date will be November 9th, and it's coming out through Razor and Thai Records. So last week we heard the first sample of this album, which was called Fuck Love. Yes, that's actually what they titled the song. Now we know the album it's coming from. Artwork, not a lot to it. It's a couple of like Polaroid looking things. Will this be the saving grace to all that remains career? Now, of course, they were very much in that early 2000s metalcore rise of popularity. They were a pretty heavy band, but they always had the beauty and beast going on. As their career progressed, they went more radio rock, less riff heavy. Off that single we heard last week, Fuck Love, I think we might be seeing All That Remains go back to being heavy. Maybe. I don't want to get too ahead of myself because, of course, we haven't heard the album yet. But I am actually really intrigued with what this album will entail. So the album, as I said, is called Victim of the New Disease. It's by All That Remains and it's going to be coming out November 9th. Cattle Decapitation have announced they are releasing a Rarities and B-Sides album and it will be titled Medium Rarities and it's coming out November the 23rd. To coincide with the news, they also released the first single. Now, Cattle Decapitation are without a doubt one of the most popular bands in the grindcore death metal ilk that you can find. Releasing a Rarities and B-Sides album I think is an interesting step to take. I certainly know that they could have released an album. They've been sitting around for a while, so this feels like it's just a tie over the diehard fans for a while. And some people will want to get into it, some people won't. Someone like myself who's not really a cattle fan, I will probably skip over it to be honest. But Hopefully, if they're dropping this, they will drop a new album next year. If you are a Cattle fan, it's definitely still worth your time. So as I said, it's called Medium Rarities. It's coming out November 23rd, and it is by Cattle Decapitation. Texan band I Am are releasing a new album called Hard to Kill. It's coming out November the 2nd. I Am are one of those bands that blur the line between beatdown hardcore and deathcore. Pretty interesting band. They're very popular at the moment stateside. But I'm not really sure if what they do is unique enough to give them longevity and repeatability. They also, with this album news, released a first song and not really sure. Didn't really do much for me. It was entertaining enough, but repeatability definitely wasn't there. So I'm interested to see what this album contains. Hopefully, they've really progressed their sound a bit. So as I said, it's I Am. The new album is Hard to Kill, 
and is coming out November the 2nd. Slovenian slamming death metal band Within Destruction have joined Unique Leader Records. To coincide with the news, they not only released a new music video for their song Self-Hatred, but they also announced they're going to re-release their 2018, yes, this year's album Death Wish. So it's pretty exciting for this band to get onto a decent roster. The roster also contains bands like Ingested. So it will definitely help this band progress, but I think it's pretty disappointing that you're re-releasing the same album you've just released this year. So I'm not sure about that tactic. The music video is very entertaining, very brutal, very savage, very slamming death metal, which is what you expect. So let's see where this band go from here. Hopefully with a decent label behind them, they will push forward. They're definitely a band that deserve it. Very entertaining, very tongue-in-cheek, and very brutal. So, as I said, Within Destruction have joined Unique Leader Records and released a music video for the song Self-Hatred. The last bit of news this week is about Melbourne two-piece thrash death metal piece Battlegrave. They have announced their debut album will be called Relics of a Dead Earth, and to coincide with this, they released the first single called Betray Your Beliefs. Now, if you like your thrash metal, if you like it with a tinge of death metal, and you haven't heard of Battlegrave, you need to get behind these guys. Really exciting band. As I said, it's only a two-piece. It's two long-time mates who got together and made an EP last year. Now they're finally doing the album. It's got... A lot of creativity, a lot of excitement in it, and the artwork is the fucking tits. Amazing. So as I said, that's Battlegrave. New album, debut album, is called Relics of a Dead Earth. And the new single, the first single off the album, is called Betray Your Beliefs. Make sure you get behind those guys and give it a go. So that's it for the Mosh News. Done for this week. So, guys... Is there any of the artworks you'd like to check out? If you'd like to check out the music videos, if you'd like to check out pre-order links, if you'd like to check out the first singles, if you'd like to check out the tour news and information, everything we've spoken about in this segment each week can be found on our website and social medias. Now, our website is www.themoshzone.com and our social medias are all at the Mosh Zone. Make sure you're subscribing to the website and following and liking us on the social medias. Stay in touch and in the loop with all the news that we release. We release it as soon as we know about it and then you can keep up to date. So it's now time for Mosh Reviews. First up this week is the new album by Beartooth titled Disease out now. First things first, this is the third album for the band and this album is 12 tracks long. Beartooth have recently been called one of the biggest bands in the metalcore scene. Personally, I'm really surprised that people are saying they are one of the biggest bands. I don't think that they have this tag and deserve this tag. They're definitely well supported but They're definitely not one of the biggest. I think that's an interesting tag people have given them. So enough of that. Let's move on. 
Their first album, Disgusting, was very well executed and very well received. The follow-up album, Aggressive, I think really lacked in every area and it felt very much hit and miss. Beartooth are a band that are very much known as an emotional outlet, not only for the band members involved, but also for the listeners who enjoy the music. Now, this album, Disease, I really struggled with. Um, Unfortunately, it feels like the band are in recycling mode now. Music feels very much the same. The lyrical themes are very much the same also. Beartooth have now watered down the edge and the aggression that they are known so well for. They are removing what made them so appealing. Unfortunately, this album feels like the wheels are spinning, but there's no real traction. At times, it feels like they're desperately trying to recapture the spark they once had on that first album, Disgusting. The energy for me feels like it's gone. The power has gone. They still have some punchy riffs and they're still trying for those big vocal hooks. But it all falls flat of the mark. There's no bite. There's no bark. There's no edge. It's all polish. No thrills. It's watered down. No passion. The lyrics for me are now annoying and frustrating. They're so same, same. It's just the same thing that I've heard for three albums now. And it turns into something like Five Finger Death Punch. And I hate using that as a reference, but the lyrics do. They, they're just the same thing. And I don't want to hear you sing about the same thing three albums into your career. Overall, unfortunately, as I said, this album feels like recycled B-sides. This album shows and sounds like the band are running out of ideas and running out of steam. Don't get me wrong, Beartooth aren't a bad band, but unfortunately they're not worth the tag and hype people are giving them, and this album certainly shows that. Beartooth need to take some time away and need to truly focus for their next album, or this band will end up just being one of those might-haves. This is for fans of Beartooth, World Alive, Amity, Affliction. Unfortunately, I do not recommend this. I think if you want Beartooth, go back and rediscover Disgusting. The album I am talking about is Disease. It is by Beartooth. It is out now, and we do give it a two and a half out of ten. Next album up for review this week is the new album by Revocation, titled The Outer Ones, out now on Metal Blade Records. So first things first, this is nine tracks, and this is the seventh album from Revocation. They're a band that have always had the ability to balance and blend their love for death metal and thrash metal and technical metal. Each element has always had equal position and play in their music. This time around, though, they've really beefed up the death metal sounds. That has resulted in a very dark, moody, and quite possibly their most aggressive album yet. They've somehow managed to push their sound into a more dark, death-progressive ways, but they haven't lost their thrash and haven't gone mindlessly savage when they've gone heavy. 
the songs still feel very focused, in some ways feel more focused. The songwriting has really evolved and got better and better. Don't get me wrong, while they've evolved, they haven't lost their brutality, they haven't lost their heavy. It's also still as harsh and abrasive as you expect a revocation album to be. This album for me is very much a grower. The more you listen to it, the more wonder and amazingness you find within it. Better with each listen. Revocation are a band who are on top of their form and on top of their game. This album is satisfying, it's aggressive, it's effective and it's enjoyable. Hopefully this album will launch the band further into their career. The extreme nature of the beast that is Revocation is definitely on a high on this album. Really, really enjoyable. This is for fans of Thrash. This is for fans of Death. This is for fans of Tech. This is for fans of Revocation and bands like Rivers of Nile. The album I am talking about is The Outer Ones. It is by Revocation. It is out now on Metal Blade Records. And we do give it a 7.5 out of 10. Last album up for review this week is the new album by Terror called Total Retaliation. Out now on Nuclear Blast Records. So, this is 13 tracks and this is the 7th full length from Terror. They're a band that have been around for about 16 years now, and when you speak of hardcore, Terror are the well-deserved legends, veterans of the genre. They're always been a band that have had a gritty, steadfast dedication to their music and the genre of hardcore. They've never buckled to trends, they've never gone with what's popular, They stick to what they do, and they do it very well. This album, thankfully, has every bit of terror that you expect, and every bit of hardcore as it should be, and I'm so glad it has fulfilled its expectations and potential. It has fast and heavy riffs, it has breakdowns, it has groove, it has gang vocals. It's aggressive, upfront, personal slabs of hardcore, that's made to bang your head too. From start to finish, this is an outstanding double jab to the face of Hardcore by Terra, and it will keep you coming back for more. Terra have given you everything you need. There is some Hardcore variety. They go from spitting venom in high-tempo two-step vibes. They go to crushing metal-edged riffs. They go to savage levels of breakdowns and so much passion and aggression. This is an A-grade, year's best hardcore album. It gets you amped up, blood boiling, thumping through your veins, ready for more. It begs for repeated plays and needs continued listens. This is the year's best hardcore album. This is for fans of terror This is for fans of Madball, Agnostic Front, Sick of It All. This is outstanding. The album I am talking about is Total Retaliation. It is by Terror. It is out now on Nuclear Blast Records. And we do give it a 10 out of 10. 
So that's it for the Mosh Reviews, done and dusted for this week. What did you think of our reviews? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Get in touch. Let us know. Is there something that's come out that we haven't reviewed that you think we should? Get in touch. Let us know. Are you in a band? Have you got an EP or an album coming out and you'd love for us to review it? Get in touch. Let us know. Now... If you want to get in touch, there is some ways you can. Now, one of those ways is through the email. Our email address is themoshzone at gmail.com. You can get in touch through our social medias. All of those are at themoshzone. Or you can get in touch through the website, which is www.themoshzone.com. Get in touch. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. It's now that part of the show, it's now time for our Mosh interview. So this week I got to sit down with Drew of Stray From The Path, an absolute legend for taking time out for the show. So grateful and a really exciting, interesting chat, not only to get to know all about him, but about the progression of the band over the years. Really thankful that Drew was able to take some time out for the show. I'm really glad we were able to capture such an exciting chat. That chat with Drew is coming up now. Do you remember what band or what style of music made you discover music? It doesn't have to be a heavy band, but just kind of music in general. Um, the answer to that question would be Green Day. Green Day and just like anything that was punk rock in that era. You know, I was... I was uh, I was seven. I think I was seven years old the first time I uh, heard about Green Day and like you know got into it. Um, my mom actually brought me to Woodstock, nineteen ninety four, to see them play, and uh, yeah, it was just it was a crazy time, man. The nineties, especially when Green Day came out, was uh, was an awesome time. So yeah, that was the first band that I really really got into. Was that what about Green Day drew you in as a kid? Because that's a pretty young age to be getting into punk rock. Yeah, I mean, I think it was. I think it was everything. You know, I think it was the um, just the way that they dressed, the sound, the just like the even the artwork. Like going, I just remember like you know sitting on my bed looking at like the cassette of Dookie and just looking at the entire artwork and just the whole thing, the lyrics. Just I think everything. I was just so drawn to it, like. It, I had never seen before or heard before, you know, you know, my mom would always like listen to, you know, Elton John, Billy Joel, Smokey Robinson in the car growing up. And then I heard something like Green Day and I was just like, oh, that's, that's what I want to (laughs) do. I want to do that. (laughs) And so so was music in the household? Like you're saying it was in the car, obviously, like when you went to places, but was music a thing in the house? No, it wasn't like no one, no one, uh, none of my parents, my mom or dad or my brothers, they didn't play any instruments. Um, my oldest brother, who was my half brother played like, he kind of grew up in the eighties, but he didn't live with us. So there was no instruments in the house. It was just, you know, uh, just listening to when we were driving or, uh, and obviously as I became attracted to everything that I got to I started playing at a, at a pretty young age, but, um, yeah, I kind of just found. 
so was your was you your, there? Yeah, sorry, you dropped sorry. out a little bit. It's all good. Um, the, yeah, cool. The world of editing, I can fix those little bits. Um, so obviously, your mum supported it by taking you to see Green Day at Woodstock. So how was she with you suddenly becoming pretty much a an alternative kid? Yeah, she supported everything I did, man. She was she was really great. Um, she uh, just wanted me to, you know, be myself, and uh, she always was very open to the things that I wanted to do. And uh, I think, you know, having that kind of parent and having that kind of person who understands things uh, really helped me in, you know, finding things out, you know, and being able to try new things and, you know figuring out instead of just saying, no, you're not going to do any of that. You have to do this, you know, like most parents would do. I, I think I was really lucky having a mom like that growing up. So it was, it was super cool. So you grew up in, um, am I correct, in Long Island, New York? Yes, I did. Now, correct. how was school for you? I mean, some people say that when they kind of discovered alternative heavy music, um, they kind of became isolated during high school. Was that the case for you? Because I do know you were big into your sports. So what was it like for you at, at high school? Well, um, growing up here and going to school here uh, in public schools, it was um, it's very uh, diverse. You know, there was a lot of different kids and cliques. And uh, I played, I played uh, soccer, football, you know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um <laughs> I played that pretty much like my whole my whole childhood up until I was about 16. So like I was still very like in the sports world with, you know, that group of friends playing soccer on the travel team, playing school ball. And but I also had my friends that, you know, around that time, there was other kids that were getting into getting into uh, bands like, for example, like Tom, my guitar player, he we met in middle school when we were about 11 or 12 years old and he was very big into like the Deftones and Rage and, you know, more of like the, the new metal type of, uh, explosion. And, but all of us got along and we all hung out and we all played in different bands together and we all, so, it, and we all skateboarded that, that was a huge thing too. That brought a lot of us together with skateboarding. And, um, I think that, uh, we didn't really have trouble finding friends. Like there was enough of us that we didn't have to feel like alienated from anyone else. I mean, obviously everyone kind of looked down upon it because it's like, you know, you're not supposed to skate at the school and we'd wax up the curbs and make a mess everywhere we went. But other than that, you know, we kind of, we kind of took care of one another and and like looked out for each other. So it was, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool growing up. I had a lot of, I had a lot of close friends that I'm actually still friends with today. So, were you a cool. rebellious kid in school? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was a hundred percent a rebellious kid. But you know, I think it's. Uh, I think it's all part of it. You know, who I am and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, definitely was a rebellious kid. And um, but I was never too too off the handle. I wasn't. You know, I wasn't hurting anybody. I was just you know a little reckless. That's all. If anything, I was just kind of hurting myself. <laughs> You're a little bit of the middle finger to the establishment already as a kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that so, is for sure. So when when in your youth, I mean, you said Green Day, you kind of started going, I want to do this. But when did you really decide, 
okay, music's going to be the pathway I want? I think I think I decided it probably when I was about I knew I wanted to do it at a very young age. When I first got my first instrument, I was probably 11 or 12. My mom got me a bass guitar for Christmas one year, and that was the first instrument I had was a bass, an Ibanez bass, the little starter rock pack that they sell. <laughs> um and I would, you know, I would just watch VHS videos and I would play, I would pause it and watch the music video like like I had the Urethra Chronicles, the Blink-182 uh, VHS. And um, my mom put that in my stocking one year and I woke up in the middle of the night, got it. And, uh, you know, I was, I, I just would pause the, the video and I'd learn how to play that way. And I think since then it was never really, I never really had any other want or anything else to chase except that, you know, I just knew I was like, this is what I want to do. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to let anyone tell me I can't. And I kind of just didn't stop. Did it, kept practicing, kept playing, trying new things, listening to new bands. And, uh, yeah, I think as I just got more and more into what I was into progressively, I just was like, yeah, this is it. This is what I'm doing. So, yeah. I'd say like 11 or 12 was probably when I decided what I was going to do. <laughs> and, and how long did you play bass for? I mean, you obviously you obviously self-taught yourself, but um, why bass? And then how long did you pursue playing bass? Well, I think it was bass because like I had two other friends and we were like starting a band and he had already played guitar and my other friend already had drums. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to get a bass. <laughs> and... You know, back then it was like Green Day was a three-piece, Blink was a three-piece, so like that's what we wanted to be, you know what I mean? And that's, I think, what we tried to be at such a young age. And, um, you know, of course, as a couple of years went on, I I picked up uh, I picked up drums and guitar and a little bit of piano here and there. And, like, I had, like, my basement was just, like, by the time I was in ninth grade, probably, like, 15, 16 years old, I had everything. I had the amps, the, the drums, everything everything down there you know i remember i had a dirt bike at the time and i like i was out with my brother and we were on the dirt bike and i and i fell super hard and my mom was like nope that's it that's you're not you cannot have this anymore like i was like can i sell it and get a drum set and she's like sure so i sold it and (laughs) uh and bought a drum set with it yeah so i think it was just over time it was just like all right i got this instrument i need that instrument I got that one. I need this. You know, I got this guitar. I need another one. Like I was just always grabbing for stuff. I was always trying to get the next thing that I could just, you know, engulf myself with. So, yeah. So what were, so you said there was a band there with friends, but before Stray From The Path, what, was there any bands you were in that you kind of were giving a serious go to? Oh yeah, I was in um I was in a band called uh obviously you know we we messed around and I you know there was like a group of all my friends and we'd kind of jump ship and there'd be different members and we'd switching people out and this and that but as I got a little bit older I met these guys that were older than me and they had a band and we played together for a little bit at just at like local shows and stuff and then we formed a band called hiatus and it was like very, very heavy influenced with like, like, uh, bands like Lagwagon, um, 
you know, Blink and Green Day were in there, you know, just like more of like the faster, like punk rock, Pennywise, stuff like that. Um, and we actually, we actually toured when I was about 17. I, um, I was in a night school program in my senior year of high school and it was kind of a joke. And I didn't walk at my graduation because I wanted to go on tour and we had booked a tour with this other band from Texas, I think. So that was actually the first tour that I did. I was in a, I played guitar in a five piece punk rock band called hiatus. And, um, we did like, I think like a summer long tour and, then the guys were just, you know, like I said, they were a little bit older. So, like, I think what they expected wasn't what they wanted. And they kind of were like, oh, well, now, we got, well, now we're home. We need to get jobs to have money. And I was, like, still a 17-year-old kid. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. And then, uh, you know, from there, Tom, I, you know, like, I've known Tom for years. And Tom asked me to try out to sing for Stray. And we didn't know what was going to happen. And... We ended up writing um, a song called uh, "White Flag." That's actually on our fo- our first full length, Villains, mm. and that was it. That was from then on. It was like, okay, I'm in Stray now. It's me and Tom, and and that was it, man. That the rest is the rest is history. Well, how <laughs> so, how were you transitioning to vocals? I mean, did you kind of? Win well, it was or? actually it was really funny, like. I like could I listened to bands like Thrice and like you know I listened to heavy bands back then you know what I mean but I I knew I could scream it was just like I had never really done it without like a melody or like any or a playing guitar so when Tom Tom was like hey uh Ed the original singer of Stray he's like Ed quit and I was like oh when do I try out like as a joke and he's like do you really want to try out cuz we're having like all of our friends try out and I'm like yeah I'll try out and I did, and uh, it just worked. We were like, okay, yeah, this is this is it. I guess we're, I'm the new singer now. And that, it was, yeah, man, I, it's funny. I'm picturing it now, like being up in an attic in our friend's attic. It wasn't even anyone in the band. It was just, uh, it was actually the guitar player of this band called uh, Revenants. It was a death metal band that we were friends with on Long Island. And we were using their practice spot to try out, for me to try out, and uh yeah, it, it just we wrote that song and we were like, "Yeah, this 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 works. This is cool. We let's let's make a record now." <laughs> Did you? I mean, some people when they start out doing vocals, they they want to sound like someone. It's kind of a common thing. It's kind of like when playing an yeah. instrument, you really want to be like Kurt Hammett or whoever it is. Right? Did you have? an influence that you were like, that's who I want to be like. Like, I'm not going to mimic them, but I really want to achieve what they achieve vocally. Yeah, 100%. I um, I really, Glassjaw is probably my favorite oh, band of all time. And Glassjaw and Every Time I Die were like the two um, bands that I was so, um, I loved so much in, you know. So I think, it, you know, it, it would be a mix between Dara Palumbo and Keith Buckley is like what I was going for. But like, obviously, you know, in your head, you're like, well, they do it this way and I'm going to, you know, it just comes out the way that you're going to sound like. So you end up, you know, having your own voice. And I, and I think that, um, by listening to those bands, like I learned a lot from, from both of those vocalists just by listening to it that I was able to like 
find my own voice with it, you know, and learn from them. So yeah, those two guys for sure. And, and with your vocals, before we start getting into some album breakdowns, you kind of, do you, you, from when you joined, you guys kind of DIY'd and straight away, you know, really put in the yards. You guys were playing shows, working hard at it. With your voice, did you, at any stage in the early period, did you lose it? Were you struggling with it? How'd you go at the start? At the start, no, man. Like, it was weird. Like, I never really, like, would lose it, lose it. It would happen, like, every so often. And I don't know whether or not it was because I was overdoing it sometimes, straining it, or just, like, going too hard some nights. But, um... I've never really had a serious issue with my voice. The only time that I find it difficult or I lose it or something happens is when I don't sleep. Oh. When I don't sleep for like two, like if, I, if I'm adjusting, like for example, the last time I lost it really bad was in Japan because I, if I, I just had a really hard time adjusting to the, the, uh, jet lag or time change, whatever you want to call it. I had a really rough time the last time we were there and I wasn't, I was sleeping for like, you know, you do the whole travel trip there, which is exhausting in itself. And then like the first three nights I was maybe sleeping for like three or four hours and I just couldn't fall asleep. And then I, by the first show I was like, I remember just be, you know, we were on tour with counterparts there. And I just remember looking at B from count and just being like, ah, dude, I'm, toast like sucks like i don't know what to do and at that you know you just kind of you kind of just drink tea and just don't talk to anybody and just kind of kind of just take care of yourself and uh try not to be self-conscious about it because it's not a guitar string that you could change it's you know it's your voice and you got to take care of yourself and sometimes the crowd will understand and sometimes they don't but it is what it is but back to your original question is nah i never really had a huff, uh, a tough time at, at the beginning i just you know would just have to be mindful of my sleep that's that's, that's awesome i mean that's pretty that's pretty rare as well um yeah now I'm pretty lucky with villains when it all when it all started basically um an interesting thing was the process with you guys not only getting signed but the recording of the album because that album was recorded and mixed by Kurt Ballou. Now, mm-hmm. for a band that's kind of unknown at that time, how did that link up come up? Man, it's a, it's a crazy thing too when you like when I think about what we did and like why he even ex- like why he even said yes to doing a record with us. Like it blows my mind. But I think I think he was just you know. I, I could I could be completely wrong, but I think he was kind of just started out recording bands too. But um, I I could not tell you why he agreed to it. But all I know was that it was a crazy experience, man. Like it, it was it, it was very very quick. We had the songs written, and I think we recorded it in three or four days, and we slept in our van outside of the studio in a parking lot, and. Oh. I remember we had to go to probably Target or no, it wasn't Target. It was probably Walmart or something. And we bought like, no one had money, obviously. All the money went into that recording. So um, we, uh, 
we bought like little fleece throw blankets from Walmart that had like superhero characters on it. And I remember just freezing. Like you could just see the frost. We were in Salem, Massachusetts. You could just see the frost in the windows. And we were just like five idiots just sleeping in a van, like recording our first record. And like, it, yeah, man, it was, it was a trip, but, uh, it was it was cool, man. He was he was cool, and by the end of it, he like really opened up to us. You know, you have five little kids in your studio. Like, what do you do? You gotta be like, you gotta be weirded out to begin with. I remember my dad walked in too because my dad drove me there. I had guy had gone later than the rest of the guys, and my dad drove me up to Massachusetts, and he walked in and asked Kurt Blue for directions. So you got this, <laughs> you got this old Italian guy walking in like, hey, uh. How do I get back to uh ninety five over here? <laughs> and I was just like, Oh dad, like get out of here. Like I was like an embarrassed little kid, you know? But uh <laughs> it was funny, man. Funny, funny. And you guys recorded that album and then later on you got signed by Sumerian. Now, were you shopping around that album to other labels or was it kind of them kind of looking for you? No, it was what happened was is like we the guys that were in the band, we you know, no one really knew what it was going to be because we weren't signed yet. We were just getting out of high school and the rest of the guys weren't a hundred percent set on on um doing the bands, you know what I mean? So when we were recording it, I remember we were like had like some demo stuff. We were probably halfway through and we were listening it in the van. And I remember just like deciding one night that we need to like book a tour. Like, and this was when MySpace was like, you know, a thing. <laughs> so Tom booked a tour through promoters in MySpace. And we did like a six week run from New York to California and back. And we did that. And, you know, when you got in the MySpace days, when your when your page was getting like a thousand plays a day, like you thought you were like the shit you were like, yeah, like we got a thousand plays. Like what's up? What's up? <laughs> like, um, we're doing it. We're going to, we're going to make it. And then like, I think by the end of that tour, I could be wrong, but I think like a couple labels had reached out to us and Sumerian was one of them. And we just went with Sumerian. That was like, you know, we were, we were kids, man. Like we didn't really know what was going to happen, but we were just like, "Oh, they want to put out our record. Oh, they're going to book our tours. Okay, we're, what else do we need? That's all we want. We just want to play shows and have our record in Best Buy and Fye, and that that's what they did. And yeah, it's crazy. And crazy, crazy. How was that? How was that album kind of received? Because you said you were putting in the ads and. Oh, nobody, nobody gave a shit about it. Really? Nobody cared about it at all. <laughs> well, I mean, like, people on Long Island were like, this is sick, you know? And, like, we started playing shows here and there. But, like, it took us a while for anyone to really, really actually care about Straight From The Path, you know? Like, you know, yeah, no one, like, we were getting on tours and stuff. But, like, no one was, like, we weren't, like, uh, you know, making money from the band or anything like we continued to eat shit for a lot of years and i'd say up until anonymous no i'm sorry rising sun people were like caring and that's when like we um we were doing well 
but uh it was it was funny man like but back then like we didn't we didn't really like care about that we just wanted to continue to grow the band and keep playing like it's funny like as you're in a band like how things change and how your your mentality changes and you know i look back and like some of the things that we did, I'm like, what the fuck were we thinking? Oh, am I allowed to curse? I don't know. Of course, Is that a you, thing? Of course you fucking can. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know. Like, I was like holding it in like a couple times. Like, I curse like all the time. And I was like, let me try to not do that. I'm Australian. Um, all I do is curse. Yeah, that's you're true. That's it. true. You are Australian. I've, you guys curse a lot. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, uh, yeah, I forgot what I was saying now that we're so, talking I mean, about the was, cursing. Was it? Was it? <laughs> Was it kind of the thing because you were saying you didn't really think that anyone was paying attention to Rising Sun? So, I mean, you released Make Your Own History about a year after Villains came out. So, were you finding that, you know, kids didn't give a shit? Or do you think maybe just at the time the scene and the culture wasn't quite ready for it? I think it's a little bit of both. And I shouldn't say that kids didn't give a shit because we... Obviously, we if no one gave a shit, we wouldn't keep getting on tours, and we wouldn't, you know, have made it made the, the the name for ourselves, and uh, you know. But I think it was just it was a very very slow incline for for Stray to get to to where we wanted to be, and um, uh, I think we weren't really ready for it either too. You know what I mean? Like we were still like very much developing our sounds. Like you listen to villains, make your own history, rise and sun into anonymous. Like you could, you could totally see the growth and like of the bands, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's like a, if you listen to those records, it's like a band that's figuring out who they want to be and what they want to sound like. And I think it took us that long, all everything that we did, the tours, the writing, the process, who we went to to record, it was all it was all a learning experience and it was all it was all shaped up for the growth of the band so i think it was important even if even if it wasn't such a quick start for us it was uh it was it was a good one and i think I, we learned a lot from it now around rising sun you know you're kind of saying that that's when things kind of picked up why why that album i mean i know you can see on anonymous and subliminal and things like that, you can kind of, the matured writing, um, a bit more of the, I don't even think you guys meant to, but there's a sense of hook and catch to it now in those albums. But why Rising Sun did people start perking their ears? Do you just think it was that album was just, had a unique energy to it at the time? Will Putney, that's that's why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the other two, you know, it was Kurt Ballou and then Misha did Make Your Own History, and Will Putney was that's the first record we did with Will, and that's what you know we just I had gone and I had done a guest vocal for somebody I forget who, and that's when we met Will, and I remember leaving there in New Jersey, and me and Tom were like, let's do a record with him, let's do the next one with Will. And uh, Was that yeah, the Norma Jean spot. We haven't looked back, you know. Was that the Norma Jean guest vocal? Um, might have been. Could it have been? No, it was for today. Actually, oh, that's what shit. it was. Okay, yeah, Fuck. yeah, it was. And I remember that that made a big wave of attention, a big stink with people because yeah, it was a <laughs> Christian band, and clearly. <laughs> 
we're not a Christian team. <laughs> yeah, but they were our friends, you know what I mean? And uh, this was pre-craziness pre with them. But, uh, yeah, that was it. And then, yeah. And but, then, yeah, Rising Sun, man, Will, Will, Will Putney all the way. And then Anonymous, and it kind of felt, I mean, I, I've got... I've got everything on CD and a few on vinyl. And I remember seeing around the time suddenly anonymous when you did that marketing angle you guys did with the website and stuff. And you had a few guest vocals on the album, but suddenly that's when it felt like for me that everyone who was into that kind of music knew the name. They knew the band, whether they were into it or not, they knew who Stray From The Path were. Was this the time that you started noticing bigger shows um, headline tours, bigger merch sales, because that album also anonymous charted in the U.S. So yeah, yeah, it was it was it was our highest selling uh, record to date, and yeah, that whole the whole marketing thing, yeah, a hundred percent everything you said. Yeah, I noticed it all. Like bigger shows, you know, we're selling a lot more. We're selling records for the first time. Um, yeah, man, it was it was exciting because. Uh, I think that was, you know, it was a it was a dark record, and it was just like we 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 were we were like really feeling it, you know what I mean? Like like I said, like we kind of discovered who we were as a band. That was like okay, this is us, like this is straight from the path, and here we are, and we came out with that really really sick record and the whole marketing thing, and it just worked. It, it finally worked, you know, and I think. You know, like I said before, it just takes it takes a, a little bit when when you're a bunch of kids just figuring it out on your own. You know, you don't have somebody telling you what to do. You're kind of just like, well, this is what I'm feeling, and this is the art that I want to create, and this is where we're at right now, and that's where we were at that time in our lives was was probably the best thing for us because there was always a. Um, there was always a, a, there still is, you know, it's like, Hey, I want to say this, but like, who am I going to offend? Or like, what, what am I going to, what am I going to start if I say this? And I think on that record, we were like, fuck it. Let's just say all the shit we really want to say. And that was the first time that we really did that, where I remember writing lyrics and being like, fuck, this is going to be sick. Like, we're going to say this and like, just really going for it, you know, is I think we were a little hesitant in the past because, you know, you, you, you have to be uh, you have to be mindful of what you're saying, yeah. But it's like, it's a, it's like also like if you're gonna say something, then say it, you know, and mean it when you say it. So that record has a lot of that. <laughs> and then, then there was Subliminal Criminals, and then Only Death Is Real. Now, both of those, um, especially in Australia, blew up. They went fucking mm -hmm. huge over here. Um, I think during that time that you've come down here from those, I think you've probably noticed quite a bit of attention in Australia. But I also noticed online that this was a time, it's the, it's the fucked up world that we've got now with social media. Suddenly you guys are getting all this fucking hate and negativity about what you're doing and what's your message and, oh, they're too rage against machine. Um, it's got to be a bit crazy being in a band and your art is being picked apart the way it's being picked apart. What's it like from the inside? Well, as far as the, 
uh, if you're if you're referring to you know when we put out um, we put out only death is real and we got all the um, fucking hate from people like when we put out good night all right like mm. it was it was a little overwhelming because like I don't think we were ready for that or prepared for it and I think it was the first time where we were like wait what <laughs> like what is <laughs> happening and it was just but it wasn't it wasn't people it wasn't fan of the band that have ever heard of us before listened to us it was you know it was right-wing psychotic people you know what i mean that like and i think with us writing the song and putting it out was you know to raise awareness that you know these uh, um these types of people do exist and here they are like this is this is what we're saying like like really these people do exist whether it's behind a keyboard or not or they're, they're working next to you or they're the guy that's making you your coffee when you go into Starbucks like these people exist and this is just proof that they do but it was just all you know it was you know it was just all um people on on the internet just like that didn't know anything about the band previously that just saw us um you know saw the video and what we did in the video but um so that was a little overwhelming but it was it was fine like we were getting threats and stuff like death threats and all kinds of craziness and we we're like okay well here's our tour dates like <laughs> we'll we'll see you there you know what i mean like and you know like i said you know if you're gonna say it say it and stand behind it and we did and we do and whatever the consequences are we are ready for that but um there isn't any or hasn't been um like i said you know we're we're always gonna back what we say and we're always gonna mean it and we're always stand up for it and uh i think that's a big big important part of our band and why our fans do stick with us because we do mean what we say and we are always there for them just we like they are there for us and i think that's huge but as far as people um comparing us to rage against the machine it's like well one that's a compliment because mm -hmm. they're one of the greatest bands <laughs> of all time and it's like yeah it's like yeah we do sound a little bit like rage we are influenced by them like that's that's a compliment to us you know what i mean and like i it doesn't bother me because it's like they're of course you're going to sound like the bands that you listen to and and are influenced by and um so i don't even i used to like because we used to like do some covers of rage and like i think that was like why people it would annoy me when people were like play the play bulls on parade or play whatever i'm like shut up dude like <laughs> wrong bands like when people say we sound just like them is insane to me because it's like show me a rage song with the like a blast beat or like a like the fast beat punk beat whatever you want to call it in it and i'll eat my own shoe you know what mm -hmm. i mean like it does it doesn't exist so it's like there's so many other influences too especially tom like tom loves converge tom loves deftones tom loves all these different creative innovative guitarists that he's heavily influenced by so of course he's gonna be weird and out and you know out of left field like that is just without without question but uh i, I don't know it's all funny to me man it's that uh, you have to you have to take the criticism from people if you're in it like you cannot like take it seriously because it's just like you just move on you know what i mean it's like
you're always going to be creating art. You're, you know, we're artists. That's what we do. And even I criticize my own shit, but you know, uh, when you hear it from other people, it's, it's, it's funny. You have to like, not take it so personal. You just have to take it with a grain of salt. I think it's also funny that people were suddenly, um, carrying on about your lyrics because, the lyrics have always had a purpose and a message behind them. You can go all the way back to villains and there's songs on there like the song Soviet, like the song White Flag, the song The Art of Reprisal, and it's continued on throughout the band's career. So I find it really interesting that suddenly now, after this many albums, people are like, oh, I don't like what he's saying there. It's Right. It's it's interesting because, um, like you said, we've always been, you know, a band with political and social views. We're always talking about it. It's just, I think it's when something is popular, people tend to, you know, they want to hate on it or they want to put their two cents in. Plus, any anything that you post, there's a thread where you your voice can be heard and you could comment this or that. And it's just like... I think people are just, you know, they just want to start shit and hear themselves talk. It's just, <laughs> I don't know, man. P- people, people are insane on the internet. I just, I can't even like begin to tell you some of the shit that I read, and I'm just like, where, in what world do you live in? <laughs> like, <laughs> some of the stuff that people say is crazy, man. It's crazy. I love it. I, I love it. I really do. Now you were saying around. Earlier there, you are saying around Anonymous is when you decided, you know, you were just going to go with it, say what you're going to say. Um, but we also were saying there that from the start, you always had a message and a socio-political way of expressing yourself. Was that intentional from the off-start or is that something that with time you've got more comfortable with? I think, um, I think it was always always that way but i mean yeah we've i've gotten i've gotten more comfortable in one my voice and saying things and you know the the whole the whole um part of being a vocalist you know what i mean on stage off stage everything i've gotten more comfortable over the years but it's always been our our goal to kind of talk about stuff that people are a afraid to talk about or be don't talk about um that was always our thing you know it was always our thing to be a little bit a little bit different and uh i don't even think it's it's like us trying to i think it's just like the way that we are you know what i mean it's who we are we grew up you know we grew up in new york like it's a it's a it's a place where everything is in your face up front like i uh never really scared to, to, to say the things or to do the things that we were doing. It was just part of our upbringing and who we are, you know? And, um, I think it, I think it shows through the songs, whatever record you're listening to, you know, everything is kind of aggressive and in your face. And I think that's a huge part of straight from the path, especially when like people that don't know the culture or don't know the music, like they ask me like, Hey, what does your band sound like? I'm like, well, it's, loud and obnoxious that's the best way to describe it (laughs) it's just in your face and uh it's funny to see people get into it and they see the political views and they see the 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 shit that we're talking about and uh come back and you have a conversation with them and see what they think it's really cool man 
now one of those songs on Only Death Is Real that I love the timing of. I think it was fucking epic. Was you guys dropped House Always Wins right on the day of the 2016 U.S. elections. Now, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Did. <laughs> and not only that, but you had Vinny fucking Paz on the song. Yeah. Um, yes, we did. Absolute legend. Um, so kind of break that down if you can. First off, why Vinny? How did you hook that up? And then secondly, what was it like? Were you really nervous about dropping it on such a day? And what was the response? Did it get ignored? I mean, it is a very busy day over there in the US for you guys. So did the song make an impact or did it kind of slip under? No, I don't think it didn't slip under. I mean, obviously a huge day, but um, it was to hear it and that were fans of the band that were aware, uh, you know, with people sharing it on Facebook and all over the internet, it's under the radar, but it was obviously it was intentional that we did it, but it was just something that we felt that was right for us to do. And, um, that's, we, we've had a song live, man. Like that's one of the, especially like in Europe, man, that song goes over so well. And like, that was the first song that was written for that record. You know what I mean? Like, like it, and it's hard. It, Vinny Paz didn't, he wasn't on the, the original release. It was, um, not till later. Well, album, yeah. we were like, Hey, like we're obviously the song on the record. It's out for a minute. So like, how could we how can we make this different? What could we do to this to make it more special for people since they've already heard it? And we threw around a couple of years from people. Um and he was just so down to earth and uh yeah, we <laughs> and then he sent us his verse and we were like like, this is like, yeah, like <laughs> It was awesome, but um, it did, didn't go into the radar. I think it did what it did, you know what I mean? I think it just raised awareness for, like, our people, our fans, our generation. Like, our, it's just the right thing to do. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm still glad that we did it. I remember we made the video. It, it was a long process, man. Like, we, we had the video, um, our bass player, Anthony, you know, we edited it a couple different times just to make sure that it was, it was perfect what we wanted it to be. We didn't want it to be something so crazy over the top. It was a little tongue in cheek and that's what we wanted. And I think we, I think we did that pretty well. That's a sick fucking song. Um, now, thank two, you. Two kind of questions left before we'll kind of wrap things up. And one is, you know, I find this a very loaded question or both very loaded questions, but do you, where do you see hardcore, or hardcore punk, whatever you want to call it, in 2018, do you still see it as a powerful, meaningful vehicle for a message? Or do you think it's only recovering? Or do you think it's struggling? I always find that interesting to see where certain people see where it's going. Well, it's a very interesting question. It's a very good question. And... um. I see it as a very, very influential thing still. I do. And I don't see, 
see the way that I see it, man, is it's 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 kind of a lifestyle to me. It's not really so much a sound, and I th- I think people forget that that hardcore and all this is a place of to go where you can be different and you can be your your views and your opinion they matter and they should matter but i think a lot of people and a lot of bands and a lot of kids especially in america they treat it incorrectly they treat it like it's uh, just a sound and i don't really agree with that and the reason why I bring up America is because America is always so quick to f- forget you or quick what's hot, what's not, flavor of the week type thing. And it's it's really hard to like, you know, you watch bands um, trying to do new stuff and, you know, people not saying because they don't sound, sound like insert any horror band uh you know old school hardcore band whatever and it's it's kind of frustrating because i think uh hardcore comes from a place that is different and it will always be different it's you know you're running around on stage getting aggression out through instruments and you're screaming into a microphone like it's a very very strange thing for people to to um, to get into you know i mean you take a step back and look at what you're actually doing but it's a form of art and it's the greatest form of art because you can express yourself in a way that you can't in you know normal world and i i i just um i just wish kids would just be a little bit more open-minded because i feel like throughout time you know it, it it's become such a thing where it's like like especially with like people being like elitists like if you don't sound like this hard man like i don't i don't think that that's true at all mm. at all saying that's spot on that's like exactly uh, what i think as well i think um it is it's it's a choice and a lifestyle and it's not a it's not an image and it's not um a certain criteria right exactly yeah incendiary is a hardcore band straight from the past a hardcore band every time i die is a hardcore band terror is a hardcore band all four of those bands sound completely different you know what i mean Mm. so i think that's that's the point i'm trying to make here whether or not i made it through my ramblings (laughs) of idiocy (laughs) now the last last question i've got before we kind of wrap things up with my favorite segment at the end is you're a band that's been there from myspace to now spotify and you've seen a certain way of doing things and you've had to adjust to a new way of doing things. Do you see everything that is now going on with streaming, downloading, social media, YouTube, all of this, do you see this in a positive thing for the record industry or do you see it as we're not quite sure where we're going yet? It's so crazy, man. Um, You have very good questions. Um, (laughs) i i appreciate that um it's tough man like i'm not gonna lie to you like i wish that bands could still sell records like they used to obviously that's what we do for a living we make records and um but with the streaming and all that it's so easy and accessible to have anything that you want which is so great at the same time it's like 
you know, I have Apple Music. Every you know, everyone has Spotify or Apple Music. Like, how could you not? It's like the greatest thing ever. You pay this amount a month, and you just tap a button, and you have whatever song that you want from whatever artist. It's the greatest thing ever. But um, I wish, I wish we were a little bit older in the way that we we kind of started when records were still selling. Because I think of bands that were in it then, and now they're you know what I mean? Like there's bands that, that did sell records and then like the whole industry changed completely and didn't. But, um, as far as where we're going, I mean, I don't, it's, it's a crazy question. It's like, if you would, if you would have told me that, like, you know, years ago that, Oh, one day you'll be able to hold a device in your hand. And instead of having to go in the store and buy your CD or cassette or vinyl, you could just hit a button and you have it forever or whatever. I would be like, well, that's crazy to me. You know what I mean? It's so crazy because I just think of the only thing that I could think of is like my generation. I would cut school to go <laughs> buy and wait online if something was coming out, you know, and I would fall in love with that record. I would fall in love with the artwork. I would open it. I would hold on to it, read everything. I'd read the liner notes. I'd read all the lyrics I'd smell it, you know what I mean? Like I just fell in love with every part of it. Whereas kids these days, they don't have that. And that's the one thing that I wish like every kid could have. Like, yes, you could still go and buy a CD and buy a vinyl and do that. But like not everybody does that. Not everybody, that wasn't, the, that's not the way of life. It was the way of life then. It was the only way to get music then was to go to the store, pick it up. And, you know, you had it all, you had the artwork, you had everything. And I just, I just wish kids understood that these days and <clears throat> could have that uh, attachment that, that my generation had, but I don't know where it's going, man. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool that it's going in the way that it is. And there's podcasts like you're doing and they're streaming and there's this, and there's so many different things for people to get into and listen to. It's amazing. It really is amazing. And I think that, we are as much as you know it's hard in this industry alone like we are responsible for all of those things and i think it's great and whichever way it goes i just hope that it keeps going and i hope that the opportunities are still there for young bands to, to continue to make music and to continue to grow and be artists and you know have the opportunities that i had that i continue to have you know yeah, I, I agree. I do th one thing that I'm people say I'm weird, you know. I'm in my mid 30s and I still collect CDs because I grew up knowing what a physical meant, like you said about the look, the feel, you know, listening to it as you're flicking through the inlay. That's the only thing for mm -hmm. me that I'm I'm worried the art of an album is actually being lost nowadays. Um, yeah, it feels like the art of a single is more important. Um, and I hope, I hope, right, we, I right. hope we don't go that way. And that's, it's, it's crazy, man. It's like, it's so crazy how things have changed. It's like, you have to like, whatever you drop, it's like, you have to have like this image or this artwork or whatever attached to it. And like, like you said, like it's more important for a single rather than like an overall thing. And it's just like such a weird concept because of it's just how how much the the market and everything is just 
is oversaturated with stuff where it's like you have to stand out right away. You have to. It's like even when we come down to doing like our track listings for records, we're like, all right, we got to We got to grasp like we we know that people are going to like skip through stuff if we don't grasp them right away. And it's like that mentality, you know, there's a lot of pressure with that and, uh, you know, you adapt to it, but, um, it's crazy. Like I, you know, we've tossed around like different track listings the past two records, three records, you know, like, well, I don't think this song should go here because I think that this part's not strong enough for people to hear first. And it's like, then you get to the point where it's like, well, if it's not strong enough to be first and it's not strong enough at all, Mm. (laughs) then you got to rewrite it. And then you're in this whole, you're inside your own, your own head for this cycle of, it's not good enough, but uh, uh, you just got to roll with it, man, and do do what you think is right and do what you think people want to hear, what you want to hear, you know? Now, that just made me think, uh, a question I have to ask, because um, it would be silly of me not. I know it's only been about a year, <laughs> year and a bit since Only Death Is Real, but are you guys in the process of another album? And also, any thoughts of coming to Australia again? We are in the process of writing another album. We actually just started. Um, So it's exciting. Um, Tom and Craig have been, you know, bouncing off riffs and, you know, stuff like that. We actually just had our first live writing session when we were in England for Reading and Leeds Festival. Um, So that was very fun. I will say that it's it's the very early stages of it. And uh, as far as what it's going to sound like, couldn't tell you we're never one of those bands that are like what do we what is this record going to sound like or what theme is it going to be we're never one of those bands it's like we are still a garage band we still get into a room together we still write that we're live we still do everything all together so um, we started the process it's exciting we're all excited about it um we're going to be signing to or we're going to announce a, a new label that we're signing to So that's also exciting. Um, I can't say that either, though. Um, And as far as coming to Australia, um, if it was up to me, I'd come to Australia all of the time because I love it there. It's probably, if not my favorite place to go to, my second favorite. Um, And I would hope that we would come. If it was up to me, man, I would come January, your summer, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's your summer, yeah. Hopefully we could we could sort something out where we can come January two thousand nineteen. Well our summer does go till March. I mean uh, I mean so. it would be two thousand twenty because we're about to yeah. I'm confused with my math and years. But <laughs> obviously not this winter or this, this summer because mm-hmm. we're gonna be writing still yeah. for the record. But uh if not this January, hopefully the following. But, you know, it never, it, it always changes. Like, we could get an offer from something or somebody, and we were like, well, we can't turn this down, and we have to go. So, you know, that's, that's. Hello? You're going to be doing. Oh, you just dropped out. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, good. You just... Oh, sorry. No, it's all good. Now, Drew. Jeremy, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. I can hear you, buddy. Okay, cool. Sorry. What we've got is our last segment, and it's a really exciting segment. It's my favorite, Um, and it's called Pick Your Poison. Okay. Okay? 
So what what we do? What is it called? Pick, what is it called? Pick your one, poison. One more time. I didn't hear you. Pick your poison. Pick your poison. Okay. Cool. Okay. So what we do is we want to just kind of get into your psyche a bit. We want to really know what makes you tick. So you get two options. The one you pick is the one you'd have to live with for the rest of your life. The other one's wiped from existence. Okay. So we'll start off with a few easy ones. Pizza or burger? Pizza. Oh, he's finding them easy. All right. Chicken or beef? Chicken. Okay. Beer or whiskey? Beer. Cooking or dining out? Cooking. Okay. Cinema or on the couch? Ooh, on the couch. Okay. Beach or snow? Beach. Okay. Skateboard or rollerblade? Skateboard. Surf or ski? Can't do both, but I'm going to pick surf. Okay. Cat or dog? Dog. Okay. Terminator or predator? Terminator. Ooh, rolling through them like a fucking ease. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rambo or Rocky? Rocky. Okay. Freddy or Jason? Ooh, Jason. Batman or Superman? Batman. Wolverine or Deadpool? Ooh, Deadpool. Okay. South Park or Simpsons? Simpsons. Okay. Anchorman or Step Brothers? Fuck, man, that's tough. Mm. Wow, that is a tough one. You know what? I got to go Step Brothers. Ooh, okay, nice choice. All right. Yeah, I got to do it. I got to do it. Slayer or Pantera? Slayer. Okay, Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Sabbath or Van Halen? Sabbath. Terror or Mareball? Ah, terror. Okay. Uh, football, soccer, or basketball? Okay. Football. Okay. Last couple here. Mosh pit or up the back enjoying the show? Oh man, I feel like if I answer this, I'm 31. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've done enough time down there. I'm going up. I'm going up. Okay. <laughs> Touring or recording? Fuck. Um, touring or recording? Recording. Okay. Now, last one. This one's the only one that's triple because we've got to keep with the modern times. CD, vinyl, or streaming? Mm, vinyl. Nice. Drew. Yeah. Dude, fuck, man. Thank you so much, dude. Really, really appreciate this, man. Thank you, man. I'm. Uh, this is the first time that I've done this, and hopefully uh, it comes out cool. I mean, I don't know. I probably sound like an idiot sometimes, but I'm glad that, uh, <laughs> glad that you asked me to do this. I'm glad that we got to do it. I'm glad we found a time, and even with our on opposite sides of the world. Really appreciate it, man. And like you said, it's really hard to do on the opposite sides of the world, so I appreciate you taking the time out. It um, means a lot. Means means a lot, a lot to me. So, Absolutely, man. I am, uh, I'm very grateful that you asked me to do it.
So that was my chat with Drew of Stray From The Path. Thank you so much, dude. Really, really appreciated you being able to take some time out of your hectic schedule for The Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, and really look forward to meeting up in person when you get to Australia next. Of course, guys, if you haven't yet delved into Stray From The Path's discography, not really sure what you're waiting for. Get online, get down to JB Hi-Fi, do whatever you got to do, get into that band's discography, you will not be disappointed. And that is it for the Mosh Zone episode 37, done, dusted, in the can, all wrapped up for this week. Thank you for giving us your time and thank you for tuning in. If you're a first time listener, thank you for giving us a go. Hopefully you enjoyed it and hopefully you'll come back on future episodes in future weeks. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in. Much love and much respect to you all. Now guys, if you've got some time this week, please help us out and please help us grow this Mosh Zone community. That means if you're listening on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. It means telling your friends who like heavy music about the podcast. And of course, it means if you've got a little bit of time, sharing it on your Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. All of your help goes noticed and is invaluable to the show. Now, not much else for me to say except don't forget... Subscribe to the website. Make sure you like and follow us on social media. I also have to say, make sure you have a great week. Stay safe. Open the press.